Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good to see you all. Welcome back. You guys good? You excited? 12 Stone Home, good to be with you in your living room or in your backyard or, God forbid, your bathroom. And that, That's not 12 Stone Home, that's 12 Stone Weird, but either way, we're glad that you're joining us. You're jumping in at a phenomenal moment in time because today we're starting a brand new series of sermons walking through the book of Jonah, and Jonah is one of my favorite books in all of the Bible. One of the reasons is it's very short. I can say I read a whole book of the Bible. Another reason is this, the story is beautiful. The story is unbelievable. And I think, listen, some of us already sort of know the story of Jonah. If you grew up going to church, your grandma dragging you to church, you've seen and you've walked through the story of Jonah. You've heard this before. Maybe, maybe you learned this from Veggie Tales. Anybody? Just curious? A veggie tells us, there's the kids. By the way, welcome to the kids in the room. We're glad you're here. Good to see y'all. This is big church. By the time we get to August, you'll be ready for your church again. That's okay. But today you get a chance to sit in. Maybe, let me hear from the kids. If you've, if you've ever watched Jonah Veggie Tales, let me hear you right now. Sorry. Veggie Tales is not making the money they thought they were making. Uh, my, my kids love when I tell the story of Jonah because it's such an amazing story, right? You, you, you know the story. God, God says to Jonah, prophet, go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them that, listen, their evil is bad, and I want to I show them mercy. But what does Jonah do? He runs away. And when he runs away, a big storm comes. You can hear me telling this to my kids at night. A big storm comes in the waves, and their eyes are huge. And then Jonah realizes it's my fault, and he says, just throw me out of the boat. And when he throws them out of the boat, what happens? Big fishy. Yes, that's, a, that's theologically the word is actually fishy in it's not. It's big fish. And my kids love to imagine the three days of Jonah in the belly of the fish. And in their imagination, it looks more like this than reality. Like he's in there with a TV, right? And I don't know what the treasure chest is about, but they, they love their little imaginations to start spinning, thinking about that. And then after three days, the, the fish spits Jonah back out on the shore. And then Jonah's like, fine, I'll go to Nineveh. And he goes to the city. He tells them that God sees them. And if they would turn that God would show mercy, and he does. And an amazing moment in time happens that God rescues a whole city. And, and we look at that story and go, that's a children's story. That's a, that's a really cool children's story. Why are we talking about this with the adults today? See, Jonah is so much more than a children's story. See, inside the book of, of Jonah, we're going we're gonna to talk about rebellion. And we're going to talk about repentance. And we're going to talk about revival. And we're going to talk about resentment. In fact, those are the four weeks of this series. Today, I'm hitting the topic of rebellion. Next week, Pastor Kevin is going to talk about repentance, and then we're going to walk through revival and resentment. And I think, listen, I believe that God wants to use this series in the life of this church. You are here at a phenomenal time. In fact, the core of the story of Jonah is really about revival. Everybody here in the chat, 12 Stone Home, I want you to say revival on three. One, two, three. Revival. See, now when you say that word, depending on where and how you grew up, that word either makes you smile or makes you cringe, right? I can't help but hear the word revival in a southern accent, revival. I can't help but hear it that way. But let me, just, just to be clear, I, wanna, I want us to be on the same page. When I say revival, let me tell you what I mean. Let's put this up on the screen. Here's what revival is. It's a supernatural move of God 
where the church wakes up to God's agenda and the world bows to Jesus. Let me break this down. Revival is a supernatural move of God, meaning we don't do this. We can't make it happen. That's why we pray. It's God's agenda. Where the church wakes up to God's agenda. That's y'all. That's you, 12 Stone Home. Where we wake up to God's amazing agenda. And then the world bows to Jesus. And listen, the order matters. Church, the world doesn't bow to Jesus until God wakes us up. The world will never bow to Jesus until God wakes up his church, his bride. I think God wants to use this series in Jonah to wake up his church. See, ultimately, the book of Jonah is about revival. And listen, I know the news has been loud and social media is so loud, it drowns out some of the stories of what God's doing. But just in the last 10 days, I've been, I've been hearing stories of little breakout moments of revival where, where God's agenda shows up. See, I have a friend here at, at 12 Stone She's been praying for her niece for over 20 years to come to Christ, hard-hearted, agnostic. In the midst of COVID and quarantine, she gets bored enough, she opens up her Bible. That's bored, right? I'm just joking. I'm a pastor. That's not, that's not good. She, she, was, she was inspired enough that she opened up her Bible and she starts reading. And by herself, the words start to leap off the page and the Spirit of God awakens her. And she accepts Christ and says yes to Jesus after 20 years of prayer in the midst of COVID. God's agenda is still going forward. We celebrate that. See, what was that? It was, it was someone being on God's agenda in prayer for 20 years, and then she bowed to Jesus. I have a friend just maybe eight days ago. His father's been an agnostic his whole life. He's preached the gospel to his own dad Dozens and dozens and dozens of times, his dad actually said, listen, if God even exists, I don't want his heaven. In the midst of COVID, 15 years of praying, he goes over to his dad's house one more time. He says, dad, I got to tell you about Jesus. He's changed my life. The spirit of God invaded that moment. And he got to lead his own father to Jesus inside of a quarantine COVID season. Don't tell me that God is spiritually distanced in this season. Come on now. See, what is that? That's a, that's a picture of revival. It's, it's, it's the church, in this case, this, this young man being on God's agenda for 15 years, praying and begging, so eventually his father would bow to Jesus. Revival is never bigger and never smaller than the next one. And what you're going to see in the book of Jonah is that, listen, Maybe God wants to wake up his church. Now listen, 12 Stone Home, maybe you're hanging out and you're not spiritually resolved. You don't know what you think about Jesus yet. We're glad that you're hanging out with us. You're welcome to hang out. No, we're not going to be shy. We hope that one day you bow to Jesus. But we're so glad that you're joining us. Whether you're in the room and you're in that place, we're so glad that you're joining us. See, God's moving and I want more of it. Don't you? God is moving. God is not done. God is not asleep. God is not distant. We just sung it. God's still on the throne, and I want more of who he is. And ultimately, the book of Jonah is the story of one man walking through this journey to revival. See, behind this great move of God was a man, Jonah. And what we, what we discover in the book of Jonah is it's a very unique book in the Bible. See, the, the book of Jonah is in the section we call the Prophets. And typically, the prophets are all about the prophecy that God asked them to bring. But this book's different. It's like autobiographical. It's more about Jonah's journey than the words that he says to the people of Nineveh. We get a chance to watch Jonah wrestle this through. It's almost as if God's inviting us to take a look 
at a man's journey, the, the human side of God wanting to bring revival, and we get a chance to unpack this story together. So we're going to jump in to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Buckle up, because this story jumps in fast and furious. Like it, There's not a lot of setup. It just happens. So here's chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to start into this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. That's a lot that just happened. It's only, it's only a couple verses, but there's a lot in there. See, God's telling Jonah, listen, I want to bring, I want to bring revival to the city of Nineveh. And I chose you. Doesn't that sound awesome? The God of the universe goes, listen, I, I pick you for this, this assignment. And then you go, Jonah runs. Like, what? <laughs> I don't get that. Like, if the coach wants to put me in the game, I, I don't slide down the bench. I don't run off the court. I go into the game. But why, why is Jonah running? You see, Jonah's relationship to Nineveh was really complicated. See, we have to understand this. This is the foundation for the rest of our series together. Jonah's relationship with Nineveh was very complicated. See, Jonah was an Israelite, God's people, and he was a prophet. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And listen, Jonah would have known God's word, would have been raised studying God's word. He would have been a man of God. See, and Jonah is mentioned throughout Scripture. It's cool. Jesus actually talks about Jonah in the New Testament. Second Kings, it's the first time we hear about Jonah, and Jonah actually makes a mistake as a prophet, which is a terrifying thing. It's like making a mistake as a, as a pilot. Like There's not a lot of good that can come from that. So Jonah actually goes to the evil king of Israel, King Jeroboam, and it says, listen, God told me to tell you, you need to go attack and take land all over the place, including the Assyrian Empire. So because of Jonah's bad prophecy and King Jeroboam's sort of hubris and pride, he gets the armies marching. And at this point, it's too late to turn back, and Israel attacks the Assyrians. This, this is going bad, and the Assyrians are angry when they get attacked, right? And so the Assyrians attack back, and they are evil. Their tactics are jaw-dropping. I can't, there's kids in the room, I have to earmuff this thing, so I'm not going to go there. The things they did were terrifying. These are bad people. And so what we find as Jonah, the book of Jonah starts is that we see this cycle of evil going back and forth between Israel and Assyria. And this cycle goes back and forth, evil for evil for evil for evil. And that's why God comes to Jonah and says, listen, I want to break the cycle. And God's saying, listen, you can't break this cycle with adding more evil and more anger and more hate on top of each other. The only way to break this is my love. I have to show up on the scene. And he's saying, Jonah, I'm inviting you to get on my agenda. God was sending Jonah to Nineveh. This city was incredible. Walls 100 feet high, 40 feet thick. Jonah tells us it takes three days to walk across this great city. And God's sending Jonah there to the belly of the beast. In order for Jonah to get on God's agenda, he would have to face the very people that he prophesied would be destroyed. He'd have to face the fact that God might use him to show his enemy mercy. He has to face the fact that he could go down in history as the man who showed and let his enemy off the hook. Jonah's wrestling. See, when I was a kid, I heard the story. It was so simple. Jonah just wanted to disobey. Just like you want to go to the, to the, to the pantry and get candy when mom says no. That's what. No, this is way more complicated. 
There is some baggage going on. And Jonah's hostility for his enemy and his love for God were in a wrestling match. See, God was trying to bring revival to Nineveh, which required Jonah to get on God's agenda so that Nineveh can bow to God. So what did Jonah do? As we read earlier, here's the verse. What did Jonah do? Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed for Tarshish, went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah, bro, God's inviting you into this incredible, incredible revival agenda, and you run. You rebel. And Jonah didn't just rebel. He rebelled. I want, I want you to see the map. We don't understand cities in the Old Testament, but I want you to see this. God said, go to Nineveh. Bloop. Jonah said, nah, I'm going to Tarshish. <laughs> like, that's not just like a, I, I got lost on the way. That's like, I am rebelling. Let, let me put it in, in American geography. Show us the other map. It'd be like God saying, go to Sarasota, and you go, be right there, San Francisco, right? Jonah rebelled. He ran. Jonah, what are you doing, man? It's 500 miles to Nineveh, 2,500 miles. Why did he run? See, if he didn't want to do it, why didn't he just hang out in Israel? Why did he run so far? Let me, let me put it in this picture. When I was in high school, I played lacrosse. Love it, great sport. Between my sophomore and junior year of high school, my coach decided, listen, we're going to be contenders. Like, we're good. We could be great. And so that summer between, the coach started instituting summer practices. And if you remember what it was like to be 15, the summer was like the best thing ever, right? Sleep into whenever you want. Watch whatever trash on TV you want to watch. Eat whatever you want to do. Go play with your friends. And, and the coach is going, now we're going to go after this. So the coach institutes stick drills every day. He institutes all this running and all this stuff, and he starts to ramp this thing up. And listen, it started to get uncomfortable to be on the team, because I don't want all that in my summer. Amen. I don't want it. And here's what I watched happen. I watched guys try to just fake it. Yeah, I did it. And they'd be like, no, I didn't, I didn't do anything today. But what happened is as the coach started to turn the heat up, it was impossible to stay on the team. See, the coach started to ratchet up what it, what it meant to be on the team, and I watched guys run. They couldn't be around it. See, Jonah could not be around the worship of God in Israel while in active rebellion. It's really hard to be around the presence of God while you're actively rebelling against him. And so Jonah thought it would simply be easier to run than to get on God's agenda. And it's really easy to Monday morning quarterback this story, isn't it? I would have gone, right? I... Jason Berry would have done this right. My name would be in scripture. It'd be awesome. And we sit there and we say that. Let me show you what it looks like to run. Put that map back up. Thank you. You say, God, I want you to revive my marriage. And God says, great. Go to Nineveh. What does that mean? Well, it means that you're going to serve your spouse more than yourself. You're going to die to self. You're going to have hard conversations. You're going to put him or her first every time. You're going to ask for forgiveness every time you mess up. And suddenly you go, yeah, I hear Tarshish is nice this time of year, right? And you just run from it. Fine. I, that's, not, that's not for me. God, I want you to revive my finances. God, I'm in a mess. I got myself into a mess. God goes, great. Go to Nineveh. Well, what does that mean? God, I'm going to put you first 
my first fruits, the first money I get, the first 10% years, I'm going to save different. I'm going to invest different. I'm not going to buy things before I have the money saved up. And you go, oh, Tarshish looks pretty good right now. And you run the other way. You say, God, I want you to revive me spiritually. God goes, awesome. Go to Nineveh. Go get on my agenda. Go to Nineveh. What does that mean? You're going to pray. You're going to fast. You're going to get into God's word. You're going to be deeply plugged into a local church. You're going to have a group of people you are transparent with. They know everything that's going on in your life. And you go, yeah, that doesn't sound so good. Uh, I'm going to be in Tarshish for a while. See, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback Jonah and go, I'd have done it. When in fact, I think God invites us to, tar- to Nineveh all the time. And we choose to run. You see, if, if I want to see God bring revival to me personally, to this territory, Here's what you need to know. If you're taking notes, God is going to shake us from our comfort. Listen, God's going to shake us from our comfort. Jonah was uncomfortable with the thought that he would go to Nineveh and bring mercy to his enemy. He could not, he could not deal with that, so he ran. Listen, church, if we want to see God bring revival, God is going to shake us from our comfort. It's difficult to be comfortable and desperately abandoned to God's agenda at the same time. Listen, comfort doesn't build a marriage. Comfort does not build your character. Comfort does not build a church. And one of the biggest obstacles to a move of God here in the West, here in this country, listen, one of the biggest obstacles is we're comfortable. I got got just enough resources that I'm okay. My marriage is just good enough that I'm okay. We're just comfortable enough not to be desperate for God to move. We're just comfortable enough that when God says go to Nineveh, we say, Tarshish is nice this time of year. I'll, I'll see you later. See, our comfort is part of the block between where we are and where God wants to take us. And he is going to shake us from our comfort. See, let me ask you this. What are you comfortable with that God isn't? This is a question worth wrestling with here at 12 Stone Home. What are you comfortable with that God is not? See, Jonah was entirely comfortable with condemning his enemies, and God was not. Jonah was entirely comfortable with God not showing mercy to Nineveh, and God was not. It's kind of scary. Jonah, how are you so comfortable with something that God is not comfortable with? What are we comfortable with that God's not? See, as we've been praying as a church, and I've been praying personally, God, would you bring revival? See, I look around this nation, and I go, oh, God, we need revival. We need a supernatural move of God where the church wakes up to God's agenda and the world bows to Jesus. We need that. I don't see a solution, do you? As I'm privately praying, God's beginning to say, all right, first thing you gotta do is bow to my agenda. I got some stuff we gotta talk about. I'm just gonna be real transparent for a minute. For years, my filter for movies was no nudity and no gratuitous Kiss, love, what do you kids love you? Uh, that was my line. I, that, now, language didn't really bother me, violence didn't really bother me. And, and in the last couple months, as I've been begging God for revival, God's going, okay, then get on my agenda. I'm not comfortable with that. Why are you? Why are you comfortable with them talking like that? Because the world is? Interesting. And listen, I, I'm not trying to change how everyone in the world talks, I just know that I can control what comes into my home. And God's just beginning to make me uncomfortable with things that I used to be comfortable with. Recently in COVID, my, my, neighborhood, my neighborhood has a little gym and I have to pay HOA every year and that's part of it. 
Well, they closed it 17 weeks ago, and I still have to pay my HOA. It's funny that way. So my gym's closed. So I went two months getting thick, and now God's saying, okay, it's time. That's, a, again, a biblical term. And God said, okay, it's time to go back to the gym. So my wife had a membership at a little bit nicer gym than our little neighborhood gym. So I just figured I'll use her little key fob and get in. So I did. It's just until my gym opens. And listen, I already pay for a gym. I don't need to pay for another gym. So I used her card. And literally this week, God, sometimes he drives me nuts. This week he went, as I swiped, bleep, bleep, and no, one call, no one's calling me on this. This is easy. It, it, it beeped and God went, really? You're stealing? And I went, What? That's not stealing. My wife already pays for it. I pay for another gym. This is stupid. They should open the neighborhood gym anyway. What are we dealing with here? And God went, really? You're comfortable with that. What are you going to do when the person behind that desk finally catches this and goes, I thought you were a man of God. Well, God, there goes $19.99 a month until this thing's over. I was comfortable with that for weeks. Suddenly, God began to make me uncomfortable. And listen, here, 12 Stone Homes, small groups, friends, maybe this is a season where God's going to ratchet up and say, where are you comfortable with things I'm not comfortable with? See, if you want to get on my agenda, you have, to, you have to value the same things I value. I don't know what it is for you. Don't, don't hear this and say, this is now the new law. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, stay in tune. What is God asking of you? Where are you comfortable with things he's not comfortable with? See, but here's the problem. Today, it's so easy to run, isn't it? Tarshish is so easy. I'll say it this way if you're taking notes. You can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. <laughs> Can't you? You can always find a boat that correlates with your particular brand of rebellion. You can always find somebody that's going to go with you. Jonah walked to Joppa and he didn't have to look hard. There's the boat. Let's go to Tarshish. No one pushed back. Listen, there's, there are boats headed in the wrong direction everywhere. You can always find one. When you are falling out with a friend, you can always find a couple other friends that will join you in saying, yeah, that, that guy's terrible. You don't like your boss. You can always find a couple coworkers that will, that will sort of openly dishonor your boss, right? You've got a vice or a habit or a, or a thing that, that, that you use to sort of get through the week. You can always find someone that says, yeah, girl, it's been a long week. Take another one. You're good. You can always find this. See, in fact, let me, let me read this. In other words, you can always find someone to agree with your hostility, your sinfulness, your selfishness, your disobedience. And in great part, social media has simply made it easier for us to find people who align with our particular brand of sin or disobedience. In fact, Facebook's algorithms encourage it. They show you more of what you watch, like, and post. They literally feed you more of who you are and what you think. So we all end up on our own ships that lead, that are headed to our own Tarshishes, and we all think we're right when we are all in different boats, and this is dividing us and empowering our division. For far too long in the church, we have comforted and supported each other in our running from God instead of calling each other to get on his agenda. And church, I think God wants to wake us up to his agenda. You can always find a ship. Thank you for three people. We can always find a ship going in the wrong direction. Y'all weren't clapping. 12 Stone Home was. I could feel the love from 12 Stone Home. In fact, I watched this play out in college. My freshman year, my freshman dorm has a curfew, which was shocking. Like at home, I didn't have curfew. So I go to college and I have to deal with curfew my freshman year. What I found out is I had 
like the anointed room. And here's why. I had the only window in the whole dorm on the first floor that the screen was gone. <laughs> Which means I could come and go when I wanted to. And here's what I discovered. I had some upperclassmen friends that didn't have curfew. And all I would do is I'd be sitting in my room studying and I'd see two headlights flash. Look out. There's my boys out there. Whoop, slide out the window, run to the car, go have some fun, which was basically go to Walmart or Taco Bell in college. We were poor, and then come back and sneak back in the window, and I felt awesome. You can always find a car going in the wrong direction. Unfortunately, one night, flashlight or the headlights flash, I hop out the window, run to the car, take off, think I got this thing covered. What I didn't know is the resident director and the resident assistants, the RAs, the RDs, were in a weekly meeting with all of leadership of my dorm in the room directly above mine. They watched me, all of them, run out to the car. I think I'm awesome. Have fun. Run back. Climb in the window. When I climbed in the window, I opened the shades. All of them are in my room waiting for me. <laughs> every, like, every set of eyes. And I was like, well, hello. I was doing missionary work. No. I was on two weeks restriction. I, I, I learned the hard. Listen, in this world, you can always find a boat, a car, a bike, a tricycle, a skateboard, whatever you want to call it, going in the wrong direction. See, but there's good news. Jonah was running, but God wasn't done with him. You might be running. You might be sitting in a place where you're comfortable with things God's not comfortable with, but listen, God's not done with you. Jonah might have been a reluctant prophet, but he served a relentless God. So here's what God does. In verse, in verse four, Jonah's running. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up and the sailors were afraid and each of them cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? There's a storm. Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Listen, if you're taking notes, God is going to wake us from our slumber. Jonah was asleep in the midst of a storm. God is going to wake us from our slumber. God will do whatever it takes to get our attention. See, Jonah's rebellions call it causing him to spiral. So much so that he has to just run from all the pressure of God and the weight of God calling him to his agenda and just go to sleep. And you know you've reached a low point when a pagan, unbelieving pirate has to wake you up from your sleep and say, pray to your God for us. That's a dark, deep moment. See, listen, I want you to see what happened. Those sailors were not godly men. And when the storm came, they called on their gods. Nothing. Then they put all their human effort, energy, and wisdom together and started throwing cargo from the ship to make it lighter. Didn't work. And then they went and waked up, woke up Jonah, who was a man of God. See, once their human efforts and empty religious attempts failed, they turned to a man of God who happened to be sleeping. Twelve stone, the world doesn't know how to say this yet, but they are begging God's people to wake up to God's agenda. There is a storm in our country right now. There's a storm in our nation, COVID, racial divide, political divide, anger, unforgiveness, and the world's in a mess right now. And like those unbelieving sailors, they're trying all the best of their human effort to fix this. 
They're turning to their little gods and their little religion of politics and policies trying to fix this. And there will come a day where they realize we cannot fix this. God, I hope we don't find the church asleep when that happens. The world is begging God's people to wake up to God's agenda. And I pray that they will not find us asleep. See, why was God waking up Jonah? Because he wanted to bring a revival. Church, why is God waking up his church? Why does he want to wake us up? Because he wants to bring revival. I believe it in my soul. God wants to bring revival. Supernatural move of God where we wake up and the world bows to Jesus. See, but the end of this first chapter of Jonah, here's how it ends, verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up, throw me into the sea, Jonah said. It will become calm. And I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And so they do. They throw him into the sea. This is Jonah's lowest moment. He's quitting. The reluctant prophet who fled from God realized that, listen, I don't know how to obey and get on God's agenda. I just can't get there. And God will not relent. And so I quit. I throw myself into the sea and I hope to die. Jonah's done. And this is how the first chapter of Jonah ends. Welcome to week one. Everyone smiling? <laughs> so here's what you're going to find out next week. Just because Jonah was done with God doesn't mean God was done with Jonah. He's not done. God could have replaced him. All right, drown, dummy. I'll find somebody else. No, he's not done. Pastor Kevin's going to pick that up. But listen, the book of Jonah is both a warning and an invitation God's inviting his church to wake up to his agenda. His agenda, I believe, is revival. When I say revival, what am I saying? Back to the first slide of revival. What do, here's all I'm saying. A supernatural move of God where the church wakes up to God's agenda and the world bows to Jesus. I look around and I say, God, I don't see a solution apart from you moving in a powerful, supernatural way. But the order matters. It starts in the church. And when I say church, it's not these four walls. It's the people of the church. 12 stone home. That's you. You're in a backyard. Listen, God wants to wake you up to his agenda so that the world may bow to Jesus. There is no other agenda high enough than Jesus that can solve these world's problems. And I believe God wants to bring revival. See, in Jonah chapter one, Jonah was commissioned to go to Nineveh. In Matthew chapter 28, we were commissioned in the Great Commission, all of us, to go to the ends of the world, preaching the gospel, baptizing, making disciples. Jonah ran from his calling. What will we do? See, what do we do with this? As I was praying this week, God gave me a little phrase that I put at the top of my notes, and maybe this is helpful for you. It just sort of sums this up. This is my prayer for you. It's my prayer for me. It's simply this. Shake me from my comfort, wake me from my slumber. And it matters that the pronoun is you. Start here, God. I don't know what you're going to do with everybody else, but, but God, would you shake me from my comfort? Would you wake me from my slumber? See, where, where are you living in a comfortable place and God's going, no. Where has God called you to Nineveh, but you're running to Tarshish? 
Where are you comfortable with things that he's not comfortable with? What's, what's your $20 gym membership that you're just, over time, you've just found ways to excuse it, and God's going, no, that's not on my agenda. That grieves my heart. Where does God want to shake me from my comfort? And then where does God want to wake me from my slumber? See, some of us are just trying to sleep our way through COVID. Just endure it. Just get through it. Disconnect from the church. Grow distant with God. Be asleep to what God's trying to do in the world. And you might ask, why are you talking about Jonah when everything is going on in our society and our culture? And I might say, why are you talking about culture when God wants to bring a revival? If his church would simply wake up. Maybe you've been on the sidelines for too long. Maybe COVID has been an excuse. And it has for all of us to some degree, right? We're quarantined. We're locked away. You see, in Jonah 1, who initiated the revival conversation? God. This wasn't Jonah's idea. See, I think God's initiating a conversation saying, church, if only, if only you would get on my agenda, if only I could shake you from your comfort and wake you from your slumber, I want to bring revival. I want to bring a supernatural move of God that we will see the world bow to Jesus. But it starts here. So Cam's going to come out. And we're just going to, we're going to take 60 seconds, 90 seconds maybe. And here, 12 Stone Home, watching online, we want to give you just a minute to process. See, one of the things we lost in quarantine and shooting the service in empty rooms, we lost the ability to just sit in the presence of God and be quiet and ask, God, where do you need to shake me from my comfort? God, where do you need to wake me? Where do you need to wake me up to your agenda, God? So would you lead us 60 seconds? Just bow your heads. Make where you're sitting an altar. Make your living room an altar, 12 stone home, and just ask God. I want to see an awakening. I want to see revival, God, but you got to start here. Where does God need to wake you up? Take that before God, and we'll pray in a second. Father, we long to see you move. We long to see you rescue people we know with salvation. We long to see you solve things in this world. But God, you got to bring revival to us before you bring it to the world. You had to bring revival to Jonah before you brought it to Nineveh, Father. So we ask the same. 
Holy Spirit, wherever you're whispering right now, would you be as relentless with, with us as you were with Jonah? Don't let us leave here and excuse this and find people to jump on our boat and say, nah, it's not a big deal. Holy Spirit, if you're asking us to give something up of comfort, to us to lay something down that makes, us, that makes you uncomfortable, God, don't, don't let us leave and excuse it. Would we lay it at your feet? Maybe if, if, if the Holy Spirit brought something to you right now, you write it down on your bulletin. You write it down in your notes. Maybe God's saying, listen, you got too comfortable with alcohol in this quarantine. You used it to survive. Let's lay that down. Maybe you, you've, you've gotten too comfortable in relationships and taken things too far to, to help get you through. God's saying, no, I'm not comfortable with that. You got to get on my agenda. Maybe God's waking you up to his kingdom agenda and saying, listen, I need you in the game. Maybe you used to risk big for his kingdom and you've been on the sidelines for a while. And God's saying, no, I want to wake you up to this. I want to move. I want to be free to move through you. I want to be free to move through 12 stone. So God, wherever you got to wake us up, wake us up. Whatever we got to lay down, help us to lay it down. And God, ultimately get us on your agenda so that we can see the world bow to Jesus. We love you. Your heavenly name. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.